0: What's up, queens? Welcome to the Female Dating Strategy Podcast, the meanest female only podcast on the internet. I'm Ro.
1: And I'm Savannah. And back by popular demand, it is Lara, my sister. What's up, queens? (laughs) (laughs) There is a reason why she's back, by the way. This is not just like a nephew baby just show up and just be on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because today we are going to be talking about marriage, specifically the pros and cons of marriage we know that marriage is a goal for many women who are listening to FDS. So we wanted to invite somebody who's been married for quite some time now to give their view on just how to approach marriage, how to hopefully have a high value marriage and some of the pros and cons of marriage if you happen to be on the fence. Because FDS, we always encourage women to really, really think about first and foremost, what is in their best interest as a woman. And for some women, marriage may not be in your best interest. So to start off with, Lara, you've obviously been married for quite some time now. Can you almost give us an intro into marriage in terms of what were the markers that you were looking for when you were deciding who to marry to start with? When I decided that I marriage was something that I wanted, I grew up with that whole Disney view, you know, sort of thrown in there with some like Nigerian culture and church culture as well. So my view on marriage has changed as I got into head into headed into my twenties and entered my relationship, which is now the one that I'm, you know, I'm now married in. Um, it changed quite a lot, and for me, the number one thing was like trust. Like I need to be able to trust you implicitly. I was never that girlfriend or certainly didn't want to be that wife who had to know what was in had to go through your phone or if you said that you wanted to go to Vegas with the boys, I want to be like, cool, dude you can do that and not me not thinking, but something might happen. I need to be able to trust you, I need to be able to trust that you are who you say you are, that you are you show up to be who you say you want to be, and that you understand that marriage is a commitment and what that commitment means and what it demands from you. Because I feel like a lot of guys, they want, yeah, marriage is commitment, but the commitment is always on the other person, not so much them. And, you know, dating around taught me that quite quickly. There's a very, very long list of requirements that guys have in terms of what they want from a wife. What they are supposed to be as a husband, it's like one thing. Be a provider. And a lot of guys don't even want to do that anymore. (laughs) Or be a CEO of the relationship, as they always have to say. Yeah, like, it's like, no. No. So that was quite important to me. see shared, like shared faith was important to me, you know, just respecting and understanding what it is like for me or for women and to being respectful of women and the plight of women. That was always important to me because, you know, even being married to a decent guy is not going to stop the things that being a woman can make you fall into and you need your partner for me, my husband, to be able to understand that and do as much as he can to mitigate that and work as a team, especially if you're going to bring kids into it because they need to be equipped on how to do it for you know people around them and their future partners as well. So those were quite important markers for me. You had to have a job and be able to make money and be able to make more money if we needed to be able to do that and have the skills to be able to, you know, continuously work on your personal development. Like I, I don't want to date the man that I met you know, when, we, when I first met him is not the man that he is now. And that's a good thing. So, yeah, in a nutshell, those were the sorts of things that I was looking for and made me consider marriage. And That's what I had to take into a marriage. Yeah, and I think it's really important when you say that about almost, you know, going into a marriage, expecting some amount of change and adaptation as well, and that not necessarily being a bad thing if you can change and grow almost together and not apart as well. And yeah, I'm sorry, but to also add to that, but like also to give room for growth, even if it means like, you know, there's like wallflowers, but you know how that they sort of intertwine with each other, not quite into each other, but alongside each other. A really close friend of mine describes like a marriage or like that, of just giving each other enough room to grow, you know, always coming back to each other. Because I suppose, I guess what I'm saying is also space. It's really, really easy to get caught up in like marriage being this like interconnectedness and to become one and, you know, you're becoming codependent. And actually, sometimes you need to give each other space, like to, you know, to have time away, to do things that you need to do, space to grow, space to fuck up, you know, space to, if this is what you want, you need all of those things as well. Yeah. And so, like, I guess... You know what would you say are the pros of marriage that I suppose go beyond like the general discourse of companionship and you know the stuff that we see? Like you know, what are some of the pros that are perhaps a bit more hidden that come with marriage? I would say, obviously, you know, as you, like you said, you've got the companionship, mutual support, all that kind of stuff. I kind of see marriage as like a HD OLED 10K, if that's a thing, type camera. On your relationship and you as individuals. so This is a pro, even though it sometimes gets very ugly because it like that, that's what I think it brings out. Whatever is in your relationship, I think marriage will just bring it out to the surface. It's almost like you're making like, a shortbread. I don't know if, Rory, right, if you're familiar with short I don't know if there's a, if, are you familiar with shortbread? America's biscuits are crap, so probably not.
0: Yes, I love shortbread. <laughs> Our biscuits are not crap. Our biscuits are the best. They're not like scones. They're American-style buttermilk, like flaky biscuits. So it's not like a scone. I'm just saying, Ro, I had an aunt who lived in America,
1: and any time I went to go and visit her, like I'd have a 20 k luggage and 20 kg will be of biscuits because she hated the biscuits there. That's what I'm just saying.
0: Where is she going?
1: What city? Because I'm like, there's no way you hate American biscuits. British confectionery, like
0: you can't really beat it. Huh? yes maybe the danish can. we don't do sweet biscuits we do savory biscuits so maybe that's the difference that's it that's the problem therein lies the problem you <laughs> don't do sweet biscuits so what we call sweet biscuits are like scones here they're called scones here but they're like they're not popular like american biscuits are like flaky buttermilk have you ever seen like the pillsbury guy the hee-hee so like well, you don't use Pillsbury because that's like passe. Like everybody's mama got their own biscuit recipe, but like it's so good. It's like savory, buttery, and you put like sausage or eggs or gravy on it.
1: That does sound quite nice. That does sound nice to be fair.
0: Or yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you eat it that way, it's really good. But yeah, if, if you're expecting a, a European style scone, then no, it's not anywhere near the same. All right, okay.
1: I don't know. I'm trying to, you know, when you're making like a biscuit, I don't know, what, or maybe a cookie, that's what it would be.
0: Yeah, cookie. A cookie. Yeah, cookies are like the unleavened, flat round, like chocolate chip stuff.
1: Yeah. When you're making the dough sometimes, when you make the dough and you're like, you know, you're cross crumbling it in, the, you know, you're, what do they call it? The rubbing in mixed method when you're making the dough and then you shake it. And then all the bits come to the surface. That's kind of a very roundabout, long story way of explaining what like marriage does to a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good analogy. Good analogy. All the good the bad the ugly literally to the top and it's like hd in your face you can't deny it and sometimes it gets when it's good it's great but you know it really can bring out your ugly and i think it's a good thing because then you can confront it and deal with it which is why i think that whole commitment to your own personal development is so key so that you can recognize that and be like okay i need to work on that we need to work on that and i think that's a good thing because even when no matter what happens to your relationship after that you're able to use marriage to make you a better person, which can only be a good thing. I think a lot of the pros and cons, I feel like are like tope two, are on like the same, was it two sides of the same coin? So they work as pros and cons, depending on how you look at things. So for example, a lot of people get together, myself and Stephen, we're very different personalities. And that's great because, you know, it means that you can be yourself and it means that you can, and that someone just gets you and it makes that whole transition from having to be overly articulate and, you know, have to really overly verbalize what exactly you need all of the time. And it makes that transition to like nonverbal communication and you just know what that person needs before they've said it a lot easier because I suppose you just sort of use your strengths and weaknesses to sort of balance out each other. Like that often works quite well. And even just the division of the house labor, the things that I absolutely loathe doing in the house, Stephen is happy to do them. Like, I just can't stand cleaning the bath. Like, I've never done it since we've been married. He does it. And he seems to get something out of it. It's just great. So stuff like that is also really good. So I'd say that. I think human beings with creature of habit, and I think it can bring like a sense of routine. And for someone like me, that, you know, has been quite a good thing to have that because I'm very impulsive and I can be all over the place. And I am still all over the place, but I have like a base off the back of my marriage, knowing that I have to, there's somebody else that I have to think about. So I have to structure, I do actually have to structure my day. And that's also helped me in ways as, you know, as difficult as it is to be that way. So that whole like just sort of ongoing developing, I'd say that was a pro too. I'd say also from the outside looking in, I know people talk about that commitment between two people, but it also does take your relationship in the eyes of others as well, almost to the next level. I remember when you and Stephen weren't married, when you were just dating, if, say, I wanted to invite him anywhere, it would just be like, oh, ask Stephen as well. But after you were married, it was just assumed that both of you would come together. You know, I didn't have to send a separate invite because you were seen by everybody else as a unit and not just as boyfriend and girlfriend. So I think from the outside looking in, that was quite, a I guess it's a pro as well. It's one less text to send. <laughs> but yeah. And so in terms of like, because obviously, you know that there's like the marriage discourse that women are going to die alone, that women should just get married to any, you know, riffraff to avoid being surrounded by cats. I guess, is that like a pro that I guess that that level of that almost fear, I guess, is that I don't want to say is that a reason to get married, but is that something to consider as an actual pro of marriage is that, yeah, actually, I won't die alone. Because I know Ro and I have spoken about this, but it'll be good to get your um, possibly by proxy Stephen's perspective on if you ever considered or had the conversation about let's get married. So none of us die alone sort of thing. <laughs> I don't think it's a pro, no. I think, you know, I think Stephen's personality needs. I think he'd be quite happy to be left alone. <laughs> and I think it's quite like me to leave him alone sometimes. I'm always like in his space and you know what he's like. He's like a hermit. He's like an amadillo, the one that, you know, just like jumps into the shell. <laughs> <laughs> they don't want to interact with people. That is his spirit animal. He came as an armadillo before this life and he will return to an armadillo after this life. (laughs) (laughs) The reason why I say like, I remember when I first got married, I was just like, and you know, you think about it, it's like, wow, this is for the rest of my life. First of all, like I don't have a crystal ball. You don't know what happens. I just don't think, you know, no matter how great our relationship has been or how good I feel about the relationship, I, I guess maybe just like quietly cautious that like people change and, you know, it's never game, set, match. That's it. You know, I hope that we last the distance, but that's not a reason to get married because so that you don't die alone. I think many people are married and they stay married until their old age, but they very much die alone within that. Moment, there are a lot of single people in marriages. Who, yeah, they're married, but...
0: We're born alone. We die alone. Just accept it.
1: You know, it is, and, and that's the thing, like, right, because it was like, I remember those first few weeks, I was like, oh, I was on this, like, you know, we are married high. And I was like, And to think it's going to end in tragedy. Like one of us are going to go.
0: It's all going to end in tears. Either way, even if you have a successful marriage, like I had a professor who, man, so okay, sorry not to get like real sad depression hours, but him and his wife were together for like 40, 50 years. He was in his 80s, right? And so she died maybe like a year or two before I took his class. And like at the end of the class, he would basically talk about his like, because he spent a long career before he retired to become a professor. So he would talk about his career adventures, and etc. And he would always talk about his wife, like all the countries they moved to all the different experiences they had, they were able to do because of uh, their profession. And then he had like a slideshow of his wife, and he would literally start crying at like the end of it. And I just remember like feeling so sad, because you could have the most wonderful, fulfilling marriage that lasted decades. And he clearly was still in love with his wife, like, and her passing really affected him. And she died, you know, she, I think she died of cancer. And so he was older, but you know, that could happen, right? So it's like, you almost just have to be prepared for the idea that it may not last. And it may not because of beefs, uh, for something bad. It might just be for something, you know, like active nature, active God that sometimes happens. So I don't know. I think you just have to accept the inevitability of death and accept it that everyone's path to death is uh, unique to them. And it just maybe gives you a more realistic perspective of uh how to go into marriage
1: and also it depends on the quality of your life towards the end like you know you could be with someone for 40 odd years and spend the last 10 20 years li- literally caring for them because they become sick and yeah you do that you know but it's just not i think it's so easy to romanticize like getting old with somebody and it being like oh it's great and then you know something you peacefully die in your sleep like it, it might not be like that and you know people still do break up in their 80s after 40 years you know so i wouldn't say that's a pro to getting married because at the end of the day like love's a losing game you do lose at the end like a successful way without i I feel like i've taken it down a notch it sounds quite (laughs) quite depressing now but you know no short answer no i don't see it as a pro
0: ruin is inevitable all else is prelude yeah anyways
1: (laughs) on (laughs) a yeah so i guess on a slightly on a slightly like Like, happy note, I guess. I mean, I've even said as well, like the people who think like their family's going to be surrounding them when they're likely delusional because even Queen Elizabeth II, only Charles and Anne were there. And she's the Queen of England and was probably sick for a very long time. And at the end, it was just her two oldest children, probably Charles, because he had to actually verify she like croaked it to become king. But she wasn't surrounded by her, all of her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren. And that's the Queen of England. And it's like her family are sitting around doing nothing at home anyway. So it's not like they had to like fly from really far away like some people or that they'd all stop talking to her. Actually, maybe Harry and Meghan was a bit dodged. So, you know, even in that scenario where she had all the wealth and, you know, like her family were pretty much constantly around her, even at the end, it was really only her two oldest children that were there. (laughs) It's it's really easy to take people for granted. Even, you know, I have... A child and I hope if I've done a good job that my child's gonna to want to be there with me at my deathbed. But life has to happen for that to happen. Do you know what I mean? You can't just assume that all right, I've got my husband, I've got my kids, that's it, like my final wish it like it's all done. No, you've got a quite a bit of work to do to ensure that, that that you have that at the end of your life, assuming that you live a naturally long life to the expectancy of whatever country you reside in. Like, you know Yeah, exactly. And so another thing as well is that we often, we spoke about this before the call about how, especially in Britain, I'm sure it might be in the US as well, but there's this idea that if you live with a man for long enough, you can say we're basically married and almost like convince yourself that you're married. Do you think that you would have, I guess, you know, felt the same because, you know, I suppose that you and Stephen dated for quite some time before you married for various reasons. Did almost like marriage give you that extra layer of security and commitment when he proposed? Uh, not so much when he proposed, but when we got married, definitely it felt different. It shocked me how much it felt different. I didn't think it would, but it did. In what way? I just felt like I had someone like I had to literally live for, like it made me question all my what my thoughts and my goals and that like having to factor someone in and I suppose it in a good way the oh, it felt really good and really positive but it's like i actually have someone that i need to live for like even if it's just like looking at like a kit kat and thinking oh should i eat that you know no actually i've got to look after my health now it's because it's not just about me anymore
0: someone told me maybe i saw this on a show that like marriage is really self-care for two it's like you building in habits to care for yourself as well as your partner like almost instinctually
1: absolutely and that's probably what that was that what that was that Recognition that oh we have to look after each other now, like and we look after each other by looking after ourselves. Yeah, and then in terms of as well, like because we talk a lot about FDS about doing the boyfriend benefits and the husband benefits, and I think some women and I understand why they might struggle with that, especially if they're actively working towards building a life with the man they're not married to. But you know, having those boundaries as well, would you say that that was a pro? of being married was that you could almost finally express yourself and your love for Steven in a way that wasn't being held back by this idea of, but you're just a boyfriend. Because I know some of your like, <laughs> some of your hard lines maybe they did make me laugh as well. <laughs> there were just some places in the world you just wouldn't go to with him before <laughs> you were dating. <laughs> it was like a honeymoon destination, I'm not going with you. <laughs> Like, why? And you're just like, I'm not going. Like, I'm just not going with you. (laughs) And this was, like, years into our relationship. And it was because, for me, it's like, I don't want us not to get together because marriage was really important to me. And I don't want us to not work out. And then I get with someone else. We actually get married. It's like, oh, I want to go to Antigua. Oh, I've been there with an ex. Oh, I want to go to Mauritius. Oh, I've been there with an ex. I'd rather not. Like, so... i've been around the world in 80 days of an ex <laughs> i just didn't want to do it and it's just not how like for me a honeymoon destination what is very much that a honeymoon yeah yeah even though these places I w- i wasn't really planning on going for my honeymoon but that those kinds of places where i might go for an anniversary or you know, Stephen should and better start gifting me for my birthday. (laughs) I just just wanted to do that with my husband. And that for me just kept me, it made me feel safe. And imagine if you went to like Antigua. For me, you go to Antigua, like the Seychelles or somewhere like that, and then you like fight and then end it. And then just abandons you there and then. No way. We can do that in Spain. You can do that in Spain, in Magaluf, in Tenerife, in Ibiza, where where you won't go back again because it's like, you see like the piss in the streets and like the pissed up Brits everywhere that puts you off anyway. You're like, Nazis. I'm not going back again. Can do that in Spain. <laughs> I can like friends and a friend can fly out because it's not, you know, and be like, come on, we can make the most of this holiday. Can't quite do that in the Seychelles. That's true. And so like, how, I guess, do you keep the relationship on a positive footing then, almost knowing that you are sort of not really holding back, but not giving the full expression. I'm holding back and I made it very clear. <laughs> you know, he, I think I said this in the last episode, he didn't like it at all because he just felt, well, I'm giving 100%. And I'm like, yeah, because you have, for me, it was self-preservation because the first time I got into a relationship and I fell in love and the relationship ended and it came to a natural end. It wasn't ugly or anything like that. I was just absolutely devastated and heartbreak was just hell for me. And I just like, I remember a few weeks ago, I think Jayla was talking about Ben Affleck, like 2.0 and their relationship. And she spoke about the first time when they broke up, she was like, I felt that I would die. And, you know, I remember me and Stephen were listening to it and he and she was like, that's so stupid. And I was like, no, I relate to that.
0: He loves that ragged man so bad and I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) He looks miserable in every photo. He does. He does. Like he wants a drink and a smoke.
1: (laughs) I mean, I can also imagine though, Jayla, I mean, imagine like, you know, most women, you know, sort of have the breakup that Lara described, but doing it on a public stage would just make it so worse. Like after the album where you were singing about your love for him and it just ends, like that would be... She didn't sing on that album, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't sing on the album. Unapologetic Okay, shade. okay fair. Okay, fair. She didn't, but yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't. Experience my first heartbreak taught me that, okay, the next guy, if it's any more serious, I feel like it's going to hurt more. And I don't think I can cope with that. So if the only way I can cope with it is to just be like, okay, here's my boundaries. This is what I can feel like I can deal with. I can't give like a boyfriend all of me. I can't do it. And I'm not willing to do it. So I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to do that because I'm not married to you. Like, and yeah, he found it really hard because he was like, I'm giving 100%. I'm like, yeah, because you can do that. That's great. And I'm, you know, that's you. That's your decision. It's not, I'm not asking you to make these decisions. You, that's you. But me, I'm not willing to do this until I'm married and that's that. And it's not like a, you have to marry me first. It's like, I'm just not going to do that for you. And then some of this stuff is just not my business. And I wish sometimes more women would just mind their business in relationships. Like if I come to your house and there's pots and pans everywhere, I'm not cleaning that. <laughs> Right.
0: See, the thing is, the trick is, and like, this is, I am so often finding parallels between relationships and like other types of relationships you have, like employment, et cetera. It's like, there's such a, a false social contract that I think only women are obligated to follow, or like employees are obligated to follow. It's like, if you're like a historically exploited group, the other half doesn't like when you assert boundaries to get benefits from them. Right. So, or when you don't like take in, cause they think like you're supposed to, if you work really hard and you show me, you know, you're worth this, et cetera, like then, you know, I'll reach up, I'll reach down and uh, elevate you to the status of girlfriend, wife, whatever you think is going to be like, whatever goal they feel like you're trying to reach. But the truth of the matter is, it's always about like leverage self-respect and boundaries. Like, are you in a position where you can leverage? make demands meaning like you're not desperate you're not in a place where you're like oh i have to like i have to take this deal because i need to can you uh draw boundaries about what you're willing to do are you willing to walk away if a person doesn't respect that three are you able to demand value for anything you would contribute right so like if you just go in and start doing laundry start doing dishes start telling them like yeah i'll go on whatever trip you want to go on to firstly i would still take the trip but like i see that's your boundary but like Cause I don't care. I like free shit. I like going on trips and like, I would just go with another guy. I also like, there's plenty of places to go in the world. <laughs> the Seychelles is big enough. <laughs> the Maldives is big enough. <laughs> yeah. Like the world is big enough. So then like, yeah, then you force that other person to the negotiating table from like a position of power, right. Versus like where women are often coming from a, a position of disempowerment because there's this idea that we're always like supposed to just give away all our value with the hopes of one day a guy liking you.
1: Yeah, I think that's really, that's a really hard and difficult place to be. Like, where you feel like, if I do this, then I'll be rewarded. Like, without sounding like one of those moving, those Instagram mottos, like, you know, like you say that, you know, you are the prize, but it's like, I don't see that, you know, I never saw like someone proposing to me as like some sort of reward or like, you know, I take no pride in being a Mrs. So and so. For me, it's like, yeah, let's do life together. That's what it was to me. And it's either we do it or we don't. Like, it's not an institution. I think people see marriage as like an institution to chase after. And it's not, it's the person that's the
0: most important thing. Well, if they didn't, then women wouldn't do it because you would start evaluating what we get out of it. Right. And a lot of women are sold the fantasy because the reality is often so far below what the fantasy they're selling. So like, they have to trick you to do a job that's exploitative somehow. Right. So they have to give you like the fairy tale. So, you know, the white picket fence, the knight in shining armor that's going to like come and ride in on his white horse and whisk you away happily ever after. And they present that idea as marriage is the goal and not the relationship is the destination. And I think, that's, I think that's so deliberate. I think we're groomed that way on purpose so that we're exploitable.
1: Yeah, that's true. It creates an imbalance, doesn't it? And the, the, the power sits with one group and not the other. Yeah. So... So, so, moving on to the cons of marriage. So, what are some of the cons that you think come with marriage? So, let's talk about romance. First of all, when you get married, certainly when I got married, like, romance isn't this like spontaneous. It can be, but over time, it, it doesn't become this spontaneous like thrill thing. You actually have to inject it into your relationship. And that is long. Like sometimes it's not feeling like you have to do something and it's just not fun at all sometimes. And also what romance looks like changes. So for me, I imagine a lot of married women have, you know, romance isn't just the dinners and the dates and stuff. That stuff is really, really important. And I've, you know, even, you know, having a child, like, you know, that we still do all that stuff. But (laughs) romance also is, you know, sometimes like my husband has never looked hotter than when I've come into the house thinking, yeah, I need to wash the plates, and he's in there washing them. We spoke about this, like, useful men, just being useful, like, using their muscles and their brain power to be useful. Or just remembering that there's this, you know, my husband, like, he's, like, one of those, like, I'm against veganism. Like, but just, there are these vegan snacks that I like, that I buy, that are, you know, pricey as fuck, but he buys them randomly for me. Like, it's stuff like that, just... Doing things with his time that where he's got much better things to do with his time that just frees up my time. So romance starts to change, like I, you know, yeah, things like that. And just remembering, understanding, or when he understands that it's difficult as a new mother or as a woman, you know, in the working world, it's harder for me. So being willing to make sacrifices that makes it easier for me. He's literally taken, like, the baby into meetings, which, by the way, I think should be, like, normalised for men to do. Like, taking babies into meetings with them at work, I think that should be normalised because men should be doing the childcare. And if they're at work and the work, you know, know that they're a father, why can't the baby sometimes make an appearance? Or even just sometimes when he's working from home and he's got a long period or he's able to, you know, multitask, I'm just like, I've had enough. Like, I just want to watch my crime show in peace. (laughs) To be fair, my niece is a Duchess. She's an absolute, like, future Duchess Megan of the UK. She's so demanding. She's so, so cute, but she knows what she wants and she knows how to get it as well. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, and I suppose that, rope, that that changes because, you know, him doing tasks for me before, it's just like, oh, yeah, thanks. It's like a favour, you know? But, no, this actually means that, like, oh, this is why you're great, you know? comes those more, the less, almost grandiose things. I feel like some of the cons that marriages, the stakes are higher. So when things are tough, like, I mean, it's taken years for me to just, to not think when we have an argument, think back to before in marriage and be like, this would be over the phone before. And I could just be like, I'm busy now, bye. I can't do that now. And being able to do that for so long and then suddenly actually have to like stare at the problem sometimes. And sometimes when you go for the really difficult, it's harder to walk away and it can feel make arguments feel very intense especially when you don't feel like you're being heard because it's like what so this is going to be my life now definitely it goes against i mean i think the whole like there's a whole marriage commitment like what it means it goes against your natural desires like you're we're naturally selfish like you know that 80 20 rule sometimes that 20 percent can feel like the 80 percent, you know and just Grass is always green, you're constantly having to fight yourself. You know, we all have a window into everyone's lives now on social media. Like, suddenly, you know, every so often being single seems really cool. Like, if I was single, I'd be doing that, I'd be there, I'd be here. Like, it requires a lot of discipline and a lot of like filtering of what you see. I think a lot of people who were single would say that about being married sometimes. They, you sort of romanticize what, you know, the other side. Marriage is just not fair. Like there's certain things, you just, it's just not fair, and there's nothing you can do about it. There are just things that you just have to let go of or experience. That just think this is just not fair, but there's nothing I can do with this. I just have to. I'm going to have to accept it and just keep having to redraw your boundaries because as you change as a person, like and often you don't realize that a boundaries change until there's friction and you're like, How, so, suddenly this doesn't feel comfortable for me anymore. Can you give an example of such a? of what you just said. Like, can you give an example of like a situation where you just have to accept it's not fair? I feel like sometimes when you look back, you know, they say like, when you have like arguments or disagreements or you, you've you made a decision and you've chosen to like compromise or meet in the middle and it hasn't worked out, right? Your natural instinct is to like, you want to blame the other person or you want the other person to take responsibility. And that's actually not going to help anything. So you kind of have to deal with, a. Hey, I compromised what I wanted or, you know, and then it didn't really work out and there's no one to blame. And now I feel like I'm the one who has kind of bore the greatest brunt of this, but it was an agreement. If I went back to that decision, I probably would have made the same decision. I just The outcome just didn't work out. Do you see what I mean? You know, and that word compromise, my gosh, like people use that to, again, silence and bullshit women. Like compromise, compromise, compromise. Like, you know, you've really got to understand what a compromise, there's a fine line basically between compromise and sacrifice. And I do not, I'm so against this long-standing tradition, especially it's kind of put on women that, you know, marriages or relationships are one long, sorry, tale of sacrifice. Like you shouldn't be sacrificing. Compromise, yes. But yeah, when you're having to you know your peace your sanity your career your feelings your thoughts your aspirations your dreams like come on mate like this is you know yeah and I think people need to understand the difference between the two like a compromise is you know your thoughts and feelings are taken into account and you come to a agreement that is favorable to both parties whereas a sacrifice is usually when somebody loses out quite significantly more than the other And I feel like it's easy to conflate the two, especially with women where we are expected when they use the term, you know, compromise to really mean, you know, just roll
0: over and accept it.
1: As Roy said, I think it's by design. It's
0: all design. The system with design (laughs) to keep us down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
1: (laughs) I mean, I also think as well, like, obviously, you know, touching off the back of that as well, we have women to obviously want to get married and the FDS we encourage women to go into marriage with their eyes wide open and with their own assets and with their own aspirations and dreams. So I guess how would you balance that with having to compromise? So, you know, let's take the example of a typical marriage where you're having children and, you know, you're probably going to be staying at home for the foreseeable. How do you I guess compromise on the fact that you'll be the one staying at home? that your career is going to take a hit, that you'll be going part-time? And can you think of any ways that women can protect themselves and basically safeguard themselves against that situation? Because I always feel like women who have children are really, really vulnerable. And, you know, Rowan and I have spoken about this on the pod before, but that's part of the reason why we feel like conservatives are very much about, like, bullying slash, like, guilt-tripping slash trying to push women into having kids is because they know that It makes women's lives more difficult and they are more vulnerable as a result. Therefore, they're easier to control. I think with the career, like to safeguard yourself, first of all, I feel like you need to respect what you do. And your husband needs to respect what you do as well. Even like friends, like before you even get there, like you need to respect what you do. And it doesn't matter what you do, but you need to just put some respect on it. If you don't like what you do, then go out and find what you like doing and what you're passionate about. And when I say respect to what you do, like, that's like a doing thing. That's a doing, that's an active thing. So for example, you're going on a date or you, you know, you want to meet up with your guy and you're just thinking, oh, I'll just call in sick for work or I'll just, you know, work casually or I'll just quit my job because I want to go on this holiday with, you know, my boyfriend or whatever, and then just find another job when I get back. You're not really respecting what you do. And the thing is, when you then, if you were to then have children, get married and have children for this guy, and then you start feeling vulnerable, actually, I don't want to be at home, that you're not going to be able to have a conversation as to, can we both go part-time? Like, rather than me take two days out from work, can you drop down to one and compress your hours so that I don't have to drop down two, three? Do you know what I mean? Don't just assume that, you know, I'm going to get married. And then have a baby, then go part time. Like, don't ever just say that. Like, wait till you get there and even just make sure that there are options. Even if you know what you wanna do, even if you wanna, I know I wanna have kids, and once I have that baby, I'm not working. For the love of God, don't tell a boyfriend that. Just say, yeah, I would explore all my options. Because it's strange. Like, once upon a time, I wanted to be that one who went, who went automatically, you know, went to part time. Then I wanted to do go back to full time and put kids in nursery. Then, you know, If you're not respecting what you do, then that conversation just won't be a conversation. It will just be expected of you to just do that and put up with it. Equally, respect your time. So even though like at the moment I'm on that leave, but I've said to, you know, I've spoken with Stephen and said, at some point I'm going to put her in like nursery or find childcare for her so that I can have a day to myself. I'm not back at work. But even if I had no intention of going back to work, that doesn't mean that I can't do those things. Like, so, you, you really do have to respect your time, like whether it's making sure that you invest in friendships, you have hobbies and interests that you do that mean that you need to protect your time, if that helps. And that will always help. Because if you make out that you've got nothing better to do than look after a baby, then it's going to be a harder conversation to have. Do you know what I mean? And also, like, I've always harped on to Stephen about it's. This, some of this is a natural order because, you know, if you give birth, then you're going to have to take time out of the workplace. Right. And, you know, we're starting to get paternity leave in the UK. It's not equal to maternity leave. And I'm not really sure if it ever should be because it's not men that give birth, but whatever. It needs to be more than what it is because it's very overwhelming for a lot of women.
0: Um, about having your own hobbies and everything so that like you're not structuring your life around just your care of your child and like so your partner respects those boundaries
1: yeah and just always talking about and making it clear and using live examples because we know around people around us and you know what we see on the internet if it's relevant about how vulnerable women are when they first of all get married and then go on to have kids like since I've been married I don't you know I won't go into an interview with my ring on with my wedding ring on I just won't because I've seen, been on panels and seen the bias towards women, especially when you get to a certain age. And disgustingly, it's come from other women. Just like, oh, she looks like average age of, you know, she just got married. And they'll just regularly slip and I got married last week or I got married a few months ago and they're happy. And they're like, oh, yeah, smiling in their face. The minute they're out the door, like, let's hide the other person because she won't go on maternity leave in a couple of years' time. Yeah, that's the real thing. And I don't judge. And that doesn't mean to say that everyone should do it. But for me, having seen that, it's like, first of all, you don't need to know if I'm married or not. And I really detest how the whole Mr. and Mrs. thing. Like, why do you need to know that I'm married via my title? It's like not it's not got anything to do with anything. I just don't see the point. You've still not changed yours, have you? Like, officially. Cont- controversial! <laughs> Marriage is a personal thing. Like I said, I don't take pride in being Mrs. So-and-so. Like, it's just. We're just married. That's it. People who don't know me don't need to know.
0: (laughs) I didn't even think of that. So I've seen both sides of the coin, I guess, where some people it's likely to work against you if people think you're going to take maternity leave. I don't know. Is the motherhood tax the same as the marriage tax? Because I feel like this would add to the pros and cons of marriage. Like maybe not your primary concern because I feel like the workforce shouldn't penalize you either way.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a thing in the UK. Like I think even you have like said it, um, like Lara, where even though you can't be fired for being pregnant, but employers will find a way to get rid of like women who are pregnant. Yeah. You come back, oh, your job doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Redundancy. Yeah. Yeah. They'll refuse to, um... I mean, Stephen used to say like, because of his background, he was exposed to, you know, organisational development, people stuff. And yeah, they'd be like, everyone's head would be, you know, people's would be on the table and be like, okay, that person's gone on mat leave. Can we get rid of them? How can we get rid of them?
0: Do they say that like just point blank? Because I I mean, technically that's discrimination that's illegal.
1: Oh, 100%. 100%. But the problem is, is that it's very, at least in the UK and I'm probably in the US, it's hard to prove discrimination and it's a very, very long process. So most people just forget about it, especially if you have a child at home. And these organizations will make sure there's no paper trail. So they'll say it, but in emails, like the stuff that you can use as evidence, It won't have any record of it. They'll do it legally. And those conversations, like so-and-so's on this, it would require essentially whistleblowing, which nobody ever does. And they're confidential conversations.
0: Yeah. To the extent that I've ever been part of a conversation about like headcount reduction, like this is why so much of it actually comes from like top down. So people will take medical leave, but it doesn't necessarily disclose why they're taking medical leave. And I wonder if that's to keep it from like giving them discrimination cases, although maybe they can tell it's maternity leave if a a woman's of a certain age and she took medical leave.
1: But some doctors in the UK do that now. Like I know when I've gone to the doctor, they, they ask me like, what do you want me to write on your doctor's note? So they're not too specific because they know that if they put like depression or anxiety, it's not supposed to, but it could go against the person in a negative way.
0: Yeah, and men and women take medical leave in the state. If it's offered, technically it's gender neutral. Again, we don't get much maternity leave. So maybe that's why too. Oh my gosh. Is that standard? No, it's not even standard. It's not even guaranteed you get that. That's just like industry practices. I mean, so you get no maternity leave. So you just pop out and kid and come back two days later. It's state by state and then company by company. But I think a lot of companies will give you like 12 weeks and it's usually reduced pay. So like 60, 70, 80% of your pay. And then men or women can take it. So it's not like just for women. So then like typically men also do take it because why not? You get paid 60% of your salary. You don't have to work. Maybe it's like the way to make it like uh, not gendered against women, I suppose, because like both men and women take advantage of the... It's it's just called family medical leave. And so it's anything related to uh, family planning, including like if you have a sick relative you have to take care of. Okay. Yeah. I was just sort of trying to gauge like from the difference between you guys in the UK and the US, like... The motherhood tax is real, the colloquial term for motherhood tax, meaning like women getting more discriminated against because they have children. I just was more curious about the marital tax because the marital tax is something that's more of a newer concept to me because I always thought like, I was always perceived it as the opposite that people think if you get married, like you're more of a stable employee with like a good reputation.
1: Yeah, I think it's men that tend to benefit in the UK from being married, I think, and, or if you're like a much older like woman and that doesn't really apply because it's not going to it doesn't apply in the same way. But certainly I've just been on panels where things have been said or yeah, where people have made it clear that, oh, she's married and is it either because they've mentioned that they were married or you can see a ring on the finger. Like, you know, or they've filled out an application. And it was like, Yeah, I've I've changed my name and it's just and it's just clear that they've been married and people start thinking things. So and for that reason i'm i just won't go to an interview with my wedding ring on at all so yeah but that's something that again i've shared with Stephen, and because of those experiences that i've seen that and yeah for that reason i think it's super important to continue to you know to have those conversations and also to make sure that you're like a lot of men like that work is work i feel like when men get caught up in this idea that you know i'm providing and I'm going to get completely stuck in work, even if it means that I'm neglectful to you. Again, it's very difficult to then hold on to your job when something like, you know, a sick relative pops up or, you know, you have children and you need childcare. So, for example, if, if you go, both go back to work and, you know, the child is sick, it's always, I always see in workplaces that it's always the mother that takes the day off. And actually, like for me, we're going to have a conversation about it. I took a day off last time, so you need to take the day off you know the next time or if the day falls on a certain time a certain period where you know both with it, you're really busy then I'll do it but otherwise we alternate it and um, things like that help keep things into perspective not only it means that you know your husband is playing an active role in your household and supporting you as a parent and being a parent that they should that often society rewards men for not being very good parents but also it, it upholds that respect and for your for what you do and for your personal time if that makes sense yeah definitely that's a lot to like consider and also I just have to ask as well as we near the end of the episode did you ever consider any of this stuff like prenups or if I get divorced I'm getting a prenup sort of thing did you ever have that sort of conversation with Stephen because we do joke about it but you know especially women who are coming into a relationship with assets as well And you know how to protect that in the event of a divorce because we always hear about how you know men supposedly get rinsed in divorces, but we don't always hear about the other side of it as well. So the Britneys, the Adels, the—I'm pretty sure it was also a Kelly Clarkson as well, uh, Mary J. Blige. You know, women who've just been completely done over by a divorce, and I'm just wondering, did that ever, you know, was that ever a conversation that you had? with Steve and I guess yeah was that ever a conversation that you had and is it a conversation that you are going to perhaps have in the future bearing in mind that when you got married perhaps you weren't at your maximum earning potential either of you but if that changes is that something that you discuss yeah I mean I didn't have like assets like that I had cash and I had you know a fair bit but yeah we had a conversation about how that was going to be like split spent and But I would say that for women who are entering relationships with marriage, I will always say, and as audacious as this sounds, I just think it's the fact of the matter. Like women with assets, I think are more vulnerable when entering like marriage or any sort of legally binding marital agreement than men with assets. Purely because men can reinvent themselves career wise over and over and over again in ways that women just can't. Whether it's due to childbirth, whether it's due to the expectation of like, you know, caring for relatives. Ernest us face as well, like men are willing to just straight up bullshit and apply for jobs that they meet 10% of the criteria for. Well, yeah, like the inequality in the workplace. And also because of sexism, the nature of the professions that women tend to go into don't often pay as much as the kind of profession that men go into. So if you're you know, working in 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 the UK, and I know it might be slightly different in the US, but like sort of that sort of health and social care type profession or retail and hospitality, where you see a lot of a lot more women than you do in the STEM uh, industry. You don't get paid very much, so you know you don't get paid anywhere near as much as you know those other industries. So, and if you're having children or then looking after children, given that you know most, well certainly in the UK, the primary caregiver is seen legally often as the mother you're not going to be able to necessarily either keep those assets because now if if you divorce and you can't you know if you have an asset and then you divorce and it's deemed that you cannot afford to pay continue to pay that mortgage on your own by a bank they'll they'll take it off you and i have seen that happen as well and it's absolutely devastating if let's say you've then remortgaged to remodel or whatever and then you break apart and, you know, this is like, well, you, you know, you're now on half your salary because you work two and a half days a week because of childcare and you've got childcare to pay for. You can't afford this house anymore, right? It's not great. So, you know, I would say to discuss prenups and how you're going to split stuff as a woman. Yeah, because that's his real name. Um, like to just cut the last name out, please. Thank you. <laughs> if Stephen were to um, develop any sort of or if I were to develop a business with like you or my family, then absolutely you're signing something to say that well, no matter what happens to us, you're not, you don't get this. And I would do the same vice versa. And women should also like, you need to think about the decisions that you're making. And like, if you're, you know, buying an asset or going to business with a relative or a friend, something that's quite with that if you were to break up, you know, it shouldn't involve him. Then, yeah, you should. And I feel like if you've got any asset, valuable asset, you should try and ring fence it. And if a guy, you know, really loves you
0: and values you, then he should understand. Agreed. We're not about like caring if it affects men or not. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's better for you to not get married because you want to protect your assets. Because we're seeing, you know, you can use maybe celebrity women as an example where sometimes they get famous and they marry their less earning husband. And, Guy cheats on them and takes half their stuff, right? And it's like, there's no benefit. Or it's just a scroll. And also overtaking
1: half, like all that stuff, you know, when, surely when those laws were made, that actually, if, you know, you marry someone with assets and you split, you're supposed to give, you know, pay assets to the other person and alimony and all that kind of stuff. That was made at a time where it was men earn the money and women stayed at home. And the reason why she couldn't go out, these women couldn't go out and earn money was because they were keeping the home for the guy to go out and get the money. But what now you're getting is you're getting women going out to make money, coming back, like doing the housework, doing the cleaning, doing the rearing the kids. And these guys just playing video games all day. So you could have got a job because you're not helpful in the house. But then they get to collect money where they weren't maintaining the home.
0: And it's so much easier for men to bounce back economically. I mean, there's they don't have to deal with the type of sexism that we do. So it's just not beneficial to women. Here's the thing. like a business is going to work like a merger, right? Like you're merging your assets whatever they were at the time when you got married with the expectation that you'll be married forever until one of you passes away, and so that you can pass those assets down to your children. If you like get divorced, and he like starts another family, it becomes like even harder to get like the assets that would have normally been passed down to your children, or at least to support you while your children are alive, if he goes off and like starts another family. And I feel like that's much more of a risk with men, because of the fact that they don't have to carry like pregnancy either. So I'm, I'm the person that like opinion that like, sometimes it should be more punitive against men to make sure they're not like starting multiple families they can't afford, and that they have nothing to pass out. And like, seriously, like, so they're taking so much. I mean, we just talked about James Brown's like 11, D kids or whatever, like the rare, there's no assets to split anymore, right? Because they like, keep hissed away everything that would have been like your kid's inheritance afterwards. And that's why I just don't think men should have shit ever. Uh, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> I don't think men should have things. Any final words
1: of, you know, let's say if you were speaking to a woman on FDS who was thinking of about getting married, what would be the top 3 pieces of advice you would give to her oh wow top 3 pieces of advice would be probably definitely to write a pros and cons list and like ask yourself like is this really what you want marriage is a great thing but and it can feel sometimes it can feel very very restrictive and that feeling of restriction often comes when there's something wrong and i think if you're not someone who can articulate and feels comfortable with your partner to be like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. And I feel like there are a lot of women who will just suffer in silence because they're afraid of their partner's reaction. Then I think more women need to be willing to disagree with their partners and walk away. I really do feel that there are, like, women are more afraid of being in a relationship and then not ending in marriage than they are actually being in a marriage that ends in divorce. So I feel like you need to be willing to walk away. Much, much sooner. Don't get caught up in the whole try before you buy because I just don't think it works out for women in the ways that it apparently works out for men. So, like the whole doing things, let's just do a marriage run, in quotes, whether that for you means cohabiting before you get married or, you know, just saying that you're married or just doing some sort of unofficial, like, spiritual hocus pocus wedding, whatever. Like, don't get caught up in that, like, because commitment, like, just get married or just don't. And to just find your person, I know it sounds really vague and not very practical, but but find that person that you can actually do your life with, and both you can. Well, I think of those like wall plants that you can do that with, not someone that you feel dependent on, or a person that feels dependent on you. Like that's just not healthy at all. Yeah, I think those are my top three-ish things. Yeah, I definitely like the second point that you touched on as well. I think that's really important. But I liked all of them, but that's probably my favourite. And also I think as unmarried spinster staring, looking at being the cat lady in 20 years, (laughs) I think it's also as well important, like we've also said, to really consider the pros and cons of marriage to your situation as well, because it's not a one size fits all. And I feel really bad going back to the celebrity women who have discovered the hard way that actually getting married is maybe not in their best interest. It's like when, you know, Rihanna popped out the kid and everyone's like, ah, she's having a kid and there's no ring. And I'm just like, well, is it really in her best interest to marry when she's a lot more wealthy than ASAP Rocky? Because what's going to happen is she'll end up paying him ridiculous amounts of child support. I wouldn't do it if I was in her position personally especially like this is asap rocky like come on this is the thing is well. i don't know why women are so about the ring that they're actually forgetting like who's being cuffed to who like asap rocky is that a man that's worth marrying i don't think so and also can i just say like one thing about like marriage like it's not a con but something to definitely consider is that like as a woman like there is a lot of expectation on you It's very subtle, but very intense feeling of, yeah, it's on you to make it work. You need to make a home for him to want to come back to. Like, you know, you've got to be the one to change and like men are baby. Like society makes lots of excuses and enables men to be shit. And that is exhausting. So who you choose to do marriage with is so, so important because yeah, I hope it goes away. I hope in my lifetime it goes away. But if it doesn't, you need to make sure that, that exhaustion is just something that comes and goes and it's a very external thing not coming from your husband as well it does indeed
0: cool so that's our show check us out on the website thefemaledatingstrategy.com forward slash the forum if you want to discuss with us also on our patreon you can discuss this episode on our discord and listen to our weekly bonus content patreon.com forward slash the female dating strategy also follow us on twitter at femdatstrat and you can follow us on Instagram at underscore the female dating strategy. Thanks for listening, queens. And uh, biscuits are better than scones. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Die mad, Savannah. Die mad. <laughs> <laughs> Die mad, UK. case gross. <laughs> Bye.